Chapter 22 It was a month later, the night before the grand jury hearing. Josie and Polly came by to bring me some dinner, a big casserole dish of chicken piccata and a salad. You guys didn't have to do this, you know. The longer I saw Josie and Polly together, the happier they looked. Already, Katie was stoking rumors of an engagement. I felt a little wistful as I watched them set the table for the three of us. I tried to make conversation. I think I've recovered from the Hawksworth case. I saw in the paper where that one guy, uh, that Hernandez, got life. That was part of your case, wasn't it? I nodded. I hadn't heard from or seen Alicia, choosing to hibernate in the house each night after I closed the door at Fitzhugh Investigations. I spent my nights agonizing over that last evening with her, trying to figure out if I was right or wrong to let her go, whether I was ready to start again or whether my last true chance at happiness had been Gracie. More often than not, my heart told me that I was lucky to have had true love at all, but had I thrown away my second chance? Polly pulled three beers from the fridge. He opened one and handed it to me, then leaned over to kiss Josie. You worry us, you know? Stuck up in this house by yourself all the time? Katie might be a pain in the ass, but she can be right about some things. I took a sip of my beer. Maybe my goofy little sister was right. Was it time? Was I finally ready? Josie, when did you know it was right to start dating, after Jimmy died? She sat the casserole dish in the center of my kitchen table and sat down, resting her chin on her hand. It was a full ten seconds before she spoke. Being a widow, or a widower, brings all kinds of difficulties in establishing new relationships, Fitz. She spoke slowly. That house I've lived in all these years. I walked through the door that day Jimmy died and, and knew... I could never walk out the same way ever again. Just like you've done here, I was suddenly everything I didn't want to be. I wasn't carefree. I, I had a little boy, so I couldn't do anything without getting a babysitter. Every time I woke up, all I saw was Jimmy. Jimmy, 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 and I was going to be stuck here for the rest of my life. Don't think I wasn't happy with Jimmy. I, I was. We were going to be together for the rest of our lives, just like you and Gracie. Then suddenly, he was gone. Life felt like one big cheat, like my forever dream went down the toilet and all the spontaneity has been taken out of everything. Life was going to be nothing but work. Going to work, paying bills, raising Rocco alone. When did you ever feel like you could move forward? I mean, without feeling like you're somehow, I don't know, violating Jimmy's memory. I can't do anything without thinking what Gracie would have thought about this or that or what she would have done. Being a widow is a game changer. I couldn't go out with anyone more than once without thinking that I'd lose them the same way I lost Jimmy. I wasn't ready for anyone with serious relationship potential, but I couldn't admit that to myself. So there for a while, I, I made really bad choices, like that radiologist from work. The key is to get to that space where you once again feel like you're willing to move past your comfort zone and your need for caution. How did you know when you could move past that? It was a gradual thing. All I can tell you is to do whatever can spark you in that direction. It's scary, but it's a good thing. Really, it is. I know deep down that Jimmy would want me to be happy. And he'd want Rocco to be happy. When did you two get together, anyway? I sipped my beer again, and Polly sat down across from Josie and passed me the salad. Oh, that's easy. 
Rocco was at football practice back in the fall, and Katie had bought whatever it was the football team was selling to raise money. She showed up with Polly to pick it up. Of course, we'd known each other forever. We just started talking, and I don't know, something just started. Polly jumped right in. Yeah, we couldn't let her know we were dating, though. Katie's as crazy about getting me married off as she is about getting you out of the house. It wasn't until she wanted to get you and Josie together that we thought we'd better say something. The conversation drifted, but I tucked what Josie had to say away. A couple hours later, we'd clean the kitchen, and I hugged them both on their way out the door. I took another beer from the fridge and walked upstairs. I leaned my head against Gracie's door. I closed my eyes and whispered into it. Gracie, honey, I miss you. Every damned day, I miss you. I'll never forget you. I promise. Maybe I was closer than I thought. The next day, Alicia didn't come to Hawksworth's grand jury hearing, sending one of the assistant prosecutors to lay out the arguments. Was my presence on the witness list part of her decision? Her own confidence that both an indictment and a conviction were a slam dunk? Either way, we hadn't spoken since that last disastrous night at my house. Barnes and I watched Hawksworth turn around to let the deputies handcuff him and walk him back to the jail. Two counts of murder, fraud, arson, gross abuse of a corpse, and conspiracy to commit murder. It's quite a laundry list, if I say so myself. Yeah. And what about Nash? Nash avoided federal hate crime charges by agreeing to plead guilty to felony assault on Tommy Lynn and providing evidence on Hawksworth's threats against his daughter. You hear anything from Sarah? I haven't seen her since that night at Divas. Barnes nodded. Yeah, she went back to Tulsa. She'll be back to testify against her father, though. And Tommy Lynn's parents? They picked up the body, or what was left of it, and took it home for burial. What do you think they'll put on the tombstone? He shook his head. You're better at understanding all this shit than I am, Fitz. I guess it's gonna say Thomas Tommy Lynn Astor on the gravestone. I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I just nodded. Great. That's great. It's a lot for parents to come to terms with it, but looks like they're starting. Too bad they gotta do it over a grave. Yeah. And McComer. What a pain in the ass he was. I hate to say he's innocent. What do you want to bet he's gonna find some other fracking company to protest against? I hated to think folks like Anna Nagy and Carlisle Wheelerson were the big losers in all this. Anna Nagy was back at the Cleveland Clinic's Children's Hospital. Whether she would come home was still up to the skill of the doctors and the strength of her parents' prayers. No doubt McComer would prey on their tears. At least Carlisle had his land back. Hopefully he could heal the ecological damage done to that pasture and turn his cattle out on it once more. Want to get some lunch? Barnes burst into my thoughts. Horvath's. It's been a while since we've had some good Hungarian food. No, I'm going upstairs. I gotta ask Alicia something. Better move fast, my man. What do you mean? Fawcettville's a small town, Fitz. You ought to know that. I, I don't get it. He slapped me on the shoulder. You will. Whatever the hell that means. We said our goodbyes and I walked upstairs to the prosecutor's office. One of Alicia's staff showed me into her office. She was sitting behind her desk, writing on a legal pad. Oh, hello, Fitz. How are you? She sounded guarded. She pushed her dark glasses up her nose. The blue of her eyes shone sharply, almost angrily. I wanted to take her in my arms right then, but after the other night, I knew better. Didn't see you today at the grand jury hearing. 
Looks like you've got a good case, though. The guy you sent did a good job laying out the facts. The idea is not to waste taxpayer money. We wouldn't have taken it to the grand jury if we didn't think we could win. She returned to writing on the pad. Something flashed, catching my eye. It was a large square diamond on her left ring finger. What's that? I went back to probate, boy. He asked me to marry him. She looked briefly at the ring, but didn't look up at me. Oh. My stomach sank. So that's what Barnes meant. It was too late. An awkward silence fell between us. Maybe you could tell me his name. Connor. Connor Morrissey. He's with the firm of Morrissey, McFarland, Hill, and Mason. You set a date yet? She just shook her head, but didn't look up. She kept writing. Nope. Won't be for another year at least. I'm surprised. Oh? Why? Still, she kept writing. Do you love him? At one point you weren't entirely sure. Is that any of your damn business? I'm just... I mean... Where had my words gone? It didn't matter anymore. I'd practiced the speech I was going to make all morning and it was gone. I was going to ask her to go out with me again. Ask if we could try again. After Polly and Josie left, I knew I had to put my fear aside. I had to step out of my comfort zone and try again. And damn it, I realized Alicia was the one I wanted. You made it very clear that you didn't think we would work out. She lay her pen down and laced her fingers together, those eyes locking in on mine. You're the one who told me to go back to him. What I meant was that you deserve better than me, Alicia. You still deserve better, but if you were willing to settle for me then, I'd like... I know what you meant that night, Fitz. Now, if you don't mind, I have some work to do. I have a murder case to try. And don't worry. What happened between us isn't going to affect our professional relationship. We'll still use you when we need an investigator. I grimaced and nodded, turning toward the door. Uh, see ya. She didn't speak. I shut the door behind me. Back in the excursion, I exhaled and stared at the ceiling. I'd had the best in Gracie, and then she was taken from me. I believed that too much happiness could only lead to disappointment and grief. I'd hung on to that belief for too long. Then I had a second chance with Alicia and was too stupid or too slow to see it. I had made it very clear that I didn't think we would work out, so why should I be surprised when she found someone else? But she'd said she wasn't sure about this guy, this Connor Morrissey. Why did she run back to him? Why did she say she'd marry him? I fished my phone from inside my jacket and dialed the office. Mary Margaret, eh? Yeah, it looks like they'll get an indictment on Hawksworth. We busy? No. Nah. All right, close the place up. Take the rest of the day off. N no, I'm fine. I'm heading home. As I drove toward University Heights, I knew my world was changing somehow. It was a painful lesson, but more than one time I learned it. People and life don't wait. Alicia showed that to me. Either I toss in my hat and get back in the game, or get kicked to the curb. I waited, I dithered, I worried, and all of a sudden I'm picking myself up out of the street, dusting the dirt off my ass. There'd been times when Gracie wouldn't put up with my shit, why should I think anyone else would? I'd been numb for so long, I'd let it wrap me up in a cloud of fear. I'd become terminally gun-shy. 
That cloud had settled around me like a fog. Then it became a wall, one so impenetrable that no one could get through. I should have known someone like Alicia wouldn't wait around for a jerk like me. In a few minutes, I was pulling up the driveway. I opened the door and walked slowly up the stairs. I laid my hand on the doorknob to Gracie's office, leaned my head against the door once more. Dr. Darcy, you were everything to me. No one will ever take your place. I will never forget you. But I need to move on, Gracie. I love you. God, I love you more than I ever thought I could love anyone. But it's time. It's time, Grace. I need to move on. The sound of the door latch echoed down the hall as I twisted the knob. Was I ready to do this? What would happen next? I couldn't wait any longer. I took a deep breath and walked inside.